Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, friends, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about marketing analytics, how you can learn it, how you can get the right data. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Pianka Jane. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, big pleasure. want to learn more about that. I know that without the right data, it's hard to create uh, marketing campaigns. It's hard to get results. Uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about marketing analytics. Sure. Uh, I have, I'm Pianka. I run a data science company, uh, Airing, based out of Silicon Valley, but most of our team is remote, so um, we can be anywhere. Um, but so my experience has been a couple of decades of data science. I started out from academia, two master's. Uh, both of them uh, involved applied statistics and mathematics. So I was in data science before there was a term called data science. We used to call it <laughs> applied statistics, mathematics, predictive analytics, analytics, and now it's called data science. Um, and I have been uh, working with corporate organizations, I mean, in my past with companies like Adobe and PayPal. And last 11, 12 years, I've been running airing uh, and working with really um, uh, a lot of startups uh, like uh, Infintech, in uh, e-commerce, in consumer tech, uh, and also large organizations on the data literacy side like Comcast and Google and, um, and others. So that's what uh, is my experience uh, starting out from hands-on data scientists to uh, spawning a company which specializes in doing data science, data engineering, and analytics for our startup clients. Awesome experience. Love it. Love it. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, I'm interested about the balance between, uh, you mentioned about data science, uh, AI and, uh, traditional marketing, uh, to get, uh, and collect data because I know, uh, even CEOs of big companies, uh, for example, Pepsi, they can go to customers to talk to them, to ask about their pain points, to find how the company can decide these pain points. But uh, other companies can use data, rely on that to get uh, some average insights. Uh, can you tell how to find this balance between talking to your customers and using uh, and collecting data by using AI tools? Okay. So let's uh, zoom out a bit. I'm going to start laying the lay of the land, right? So there is, okay. uh, in terms of uh, data sources, because you talked about, you know, talking to the customer is one source of data. Um, that's one source of data, uh, talking to your customer. How your customer behaves is another source of data. When you're capturing what you're there really doing on your website or outside website, you know, the fact that your customer owns three credit cards, which is open with a revolving, revolving transaction, that's also information. So you can get data from various sources. Uh, once you have data or as you have data, uh, which is can be coming from external source, internal source, what they're doing on your website, what they're doing outside, outside of your ecosystem, um, when you're collecting information of what they, what they actually behave, what we call it behavioral data, or what they say, surveys, you, you, know, you, you float out massive surveys, you have them fill it out, what they say, 
and also uh, what they do. And even the surveys, like, you know, when you talk to the customers, you can talk, you can get that information from them uh, via focus, focus groups or massive surveys. All of that is fair points of, of you basically understand what your customer wants, what they are saying, what they need. Once you have the data, there are many, many methods for doing analytics. One of the most fundamental analytics methodology or method broadly is called business analytics, which is using simple techniques that anybody, any marketer uh, can use, any marketer or anybody else can use in even, for example, Google Sheet or Excel to analyze. And there are four major techniques in that. That's called correlation analysis. You can use correlation analysis, aggregate analysis, trending analysis, and sizing and estimation. That bu bucket is called business analytics. And that solves 80% or maybe 90% of the business problems. So even in the world of marketing, just if you just think about marketing as a whole, starting LCM acquisition, whatever else, as we call marketing analytics, 80 to 90% of the, of the problem can be solved by very simple logic math analytics. And, and the most complex it gets is correlation. How is the relationship between one, two things? Um, what's the relationship between uh, customer satisfaction and mm -hmm. their, uh, their uh, you know, their revenue or their lifetime value. So these are the kind of correlations you look for. Well, for the five to 10% of the problem, which evolves beyond business analytics, that's when you use things like more complex advanced analytics. I'm gonna call it broadly advanced analytics. Within advanced analytics, um, there are two, two, I would say two or three, two, three buckets. Uh, a big bucket is what is called statistical processes. This is what we have been using for last 60 years, 70 years. Uh, one of the first models that were, was built in the fintech was this credit score model or credit worthiness. Should I lend money to this person or not? Would they return my money? Uh, that was built in, I would say, 1940s. Uh, that was using statistical process. What we, many of us know, regression, decision tree. It's like, uh, you know, there's uh, basically uh, understanding in simple terms, it's it's one model or the, the thought process of building one model and you're figuring out the parameters. That's the whole body of statistical modeling. Last 10 years, because the technology has evolved so much, we don't need to depend on one model. What we do is we build multiple hundreds of models. We have all of these models vote and, uh, and we also um, sort of, we are able to optimize how the models learn. So we have parameters and we have hyperparameters. That body of work is called machine learning. And then AI is a little bit of a different approach to it uh, using neural network. So there are three categories in the advanced, which is 10% of our overall pie hmm. of the problem. There is what's statistical modeling, there's machine learning, and there's AI. But majority of the problems can still be solved using standard business analytics methods. Does that help? Nice. I, I separated the two out for you. Sources of data and what you do with the data. Nice, nice. Awesome. Valuable. Okay. Uh, can you share your live and tools that you use uh, for marketing analytics? The tools. So we are tool agnostic. We go into our clients and we use whatever tools they have. Now, mm -hmm. in terms of our marketer, they usually have a tool for the CRM, right? So they and, and most of our clients uh, on the data science consulting side are startups. So they're using Braze or other CRM tools to basically uh, interact with their customers either um, through the app, uh, in-app in, in notifications or sending out an email, traditional emails. 
using chats, using um, you know uh, text on phone, all of that. So whatever tool they are using uh, to actually interact with the customer, we are able to use that. And then the so what's relevant for is how do we get the data? What happened when you interacted with them back into uh, a single view of the customer? And typically that data feeds into a, a data lake of sorts. Um, and there are three primary tools in that space, primary cloud tools in that space. Everybody knows them, GCP, AWS, and Azure. Most of our clients are dumping data in one of these three sources. And then... Um, the ability to uh, query that lake or uh, enterprise data warehouse edw and uh, you know uh, basically get the data out for you to analyze the analysis happens in excel google sheet or yeah. you, know, yeah. you can use it python you can use python depending on how complex you're getting for example we um, we use for one of our clients which is a uh, app client we use a lot of scripting in python to automate the dashboards like brand tracker and that's a big one you know brand tracker dashboard lcm dashboards how how is your life cycle market like how how is your customer progressing to the journey of habituation of acquisition habituation and then retention so um, different tools and different cycle of stuff but essentially uh, we are tool agnostic we'll use whatever our clients have and then the processing can happen in in either more advanced uh, like a Python or an R uh, or other scripting tool, or mostly a lot of analysis happens in uh, Excel. And then it gets uh, the dashboards and all get created in uh, a visual GUI based tool like Tableau or, uh, you know, QuickSight or, you know, look at whatever tools they are using. So for us, it doesn't matter essentially. <laughs> Uh, you know, people in North Korea uh, don't have any tools, but they love it, <laughs> like this stuff. Okay, let's talk about creating the right strategy. For example, you can collect data. And um, the reason why I'm asking about that, I often see when companies uh, create generic strategy. Uh, they don't uh, learn a lot about customers. They rely on tools or uh, online studies, but each case is different. Customers are different. We have our unique selling proposition, strong sites. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you tell how to predict uh, ROI uh, by using data, uh, collecting this data, and create the right strategy? And predict ROAS, you mean? ROAS? Uh, uh, re return on investment. ROI. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was thinking ROAS, which is a return on ad spend, very relevant for uh, marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, absolutely right on, Anthony. They have people have to start with strategy first, and um, you know those, and you have various tools out there in terms of figuring out your marketing strategy. A lot of our startup clients use uh, lean lean startup approaches, the Canvas, uh, uh, you know, business model Canvas, whatever your tool of choices, but start with strategy. Who are your customers? Um, you know, what, what are their pain points? How is your product uh, fitting in from, from into their pain point? And all of that good work. You need to have that part figured out. Most of the clients, when we start working with them, they already have a validated business model. They have a million cust paying customer, maybe 130 million, 30 to 100 million 
non, I'm, I'm talking about B2C, non-paying customers, which is often freemium model prospects or people are using the free, free site or free um, services. So they have data. Uh, the question is, uh, and, and, and most of the time they can ask, they can do, they can spend time just analyzing the data away. You know, there's no end to analyzing data. The question is, to your point, what is the key metric that I'm optimizing? For marketing, the key metric is ROI. I am going to, should, should I spend, send all my marketing team back home and not show up for a year? Or if I'm investing and I'm having these art marketing team be in office, be, in, be invested in actually marketing my product, what is the return I should expect? What is the return? How, how do I optimize my return? And in marketing terms, not only your resources are investment, but all the tools you're using, the dollar you spend even reaching out to your customers, the marketing campaigns, the brand uh, you know, spend you're doing, the ad spend you're doing, the banner spend that you're doing, all of that is spent. This is I of the ROI, right? That means you need to understand where do I spend more versus less to actually optimize R. Uh, so in order to do that, um, there are different phases of how your customer progresses through your uh, organization. The first one is acquisition. You need to understand cost of acquisition and where you can get the most highest value clients with the least amount of cost, right? It's called yeah. or COA or whatever you call it. You need to keep your laser eye focused and, and be very diligent and understanding, hey, actually for us, LinkedIn ad does not work. But what works is these TikTok videos or whatever. Right? Like you need to figure out what is it that works to get your clients in. But then not all clients are the same, right? It's not about those who sign up, but some sign up and they cancel in, let's say you have a subscription business. Some, some sign up and they cancel in three months. Some sign up and they stay for three years. Some sign up and they not only are subscription business, but they also buy a la carte. That means you need to understand the LTV, lifetime value, whether it's two years or one year, whatever. Lifetime, and, and that means you need to predict for your customer set, you need to be able to predict per customer what is the value that this person is supposed to produce. And then go back to your net present value, go back to your current and say, if I want to optimize my LTV, where are my biggest source of um, good, you know, good clients? So for example, and you can do that trade-off, if the LTV for people who are coming from Google ads is uh, let's say $200, but you're actually spending $100 to acquire them, that means it's still 100%, you know, uh, you know, 2x ROI. That's great, right? But there is another source, like you have your um, some banner from a partner referral site, and the LTV for that client is $500, but those banners are expensive and actually cost you $500 per customer to do that ad. That's a hundred percent ROI, right? So you need to now balance. If you had a thousand, a, a, a you know, a hundred thousand dollar budget, how will you allocate your budget to get the maximum ROI, right? So it's just not on the R; it's the R and I that you need to balance. And a good tool for I is not just your current, uh, you know, current what what like uh, the current investment, but just for that campaign, but actually future understanding the value of R and then understanding the value of I, future R and current I, and then optimize that gear and say, you know, I'll, I'll spend more here versus there because I can get better value or higher value customers 
from these places. Love it, love it. Yeah, you remind me Bill Gates when he shared his uh, successful methods. For example, he uh, uh, someone asked about investing and he told, for example, if I invest uh, X amount uh, to project A and X amount to project B, if I get two times more with project B, why I need to invest one more time pro to project A, even if I get uh, some profit, because uh, it's better to invest all money to project B, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, you mentioned something like this, that uh, it's better to analyze, uh, because we have limited resources, we can't yeah. cover everything. Yeah, it's better to yeah. choose priorities and go yeah. ahead with that. And I want to add something in there. As your customer matures, there is something called media saturation. So you might come to it that putting more money in that media will not give you any better ROI. So you will, you know, that's why we need to, marketers need to diversify. It's not like you will put, because your Google ads is giving you 2x return, at some point it's maxed out. And you have to understand mm -hmm. once it's maxed out, you need to keep diversified, your portfolio diversified. So never put all your eggs in one basket, especially for marketing. Yeah. Uh, diversified portfolio. There's also uh, in marketing because you're, your the way your customer consumes your content is relative to the others as the competition changes let's say competition starts going for the keyword that you've been scoring very well you know you you might start having that worse roi on those keywords you you need to be agile and say oh all right it's not getting me you know week to week month to month it's not getting me the return that it was giving me let's say even last month shift gears change money change put your investment for next month somewhere else so that agility is needed, especially in these this world where things are moving very fast. You know, interest rate goes up overnight. Stock markets are crashing. Like the, things are changing all the time. Yeah. And you need to be agile. And data is your best friend. If you keep an eye on data, you don't need to know more. Just uh, actually think like, oh, what is what is what is my friend on the other side doing? What's my intuition telling me? Use the data. You have all of it. Uh, on a weekly basis, keep an keep a eye out on not only your KPI, which is ROI, but your early indicators, your, you know, your uh, total visitors and an entire funnel. And as soon as your visitor on, from a particular source starts going down, you know the back end will start getting impacted. So use the data to, to react quickly and be proactive in you know, shifting years versus oh, spending another 100K last week on a, on a media which is already saturated. Yeah, nice, nice, great insights. Uh, can you tell about, uh, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, uh, uh, when we, uh, I'm talking about data with my customers, uh, they usually uh, tell uh, about uh, analysis of their competitors. For example, they use uh, many well-known tools like SEMrush, Ahrefs to check out uh, what type of marketing campaigns they uh, set up on Google Ads or Facebook Ads uh, to analyze uh, which pages uh, provide results uh, and uh, do the same, you know. But uh, we have different unique selling proposition. Uh, customers are different. We have our strong sides. Uh, and you mentioned uh, about... Um, uh, return on investment uh, for some time, for example, time value. And uh, it's not the time, for example, when you invest a dollar and you can get two dollars back. Sometimes you can get even a dollar because of time value. You can sell more times to customers. This customer can bring new customers uh, to the board if you have high quality products. Uh, 
Can you tell about unique selling proposition? Uh, how to analyze your uh, strong sides compared to uh, competitors? Uh, because uh, uh, it's not about the price. It's not about the quality. Possible you have better uh, customer service or something like this. Uh, tell more about uniting data with unique selling proposition. That's a great question. And to your point, we need to be constantly aware of what our competition is doing. How are, how are their funnels performing? Where are they investing money? For example, I'll just give you one example. Are your customers putting their price on their website or are they not? Are they forcing mm -hmm. the customer to actually contact them and the price is hidden behind the contact, behind a demo versus not? So being aware of your ecosystem, for example, right now, a lot of our, a lot of our clients are actually B2B in fintech and commerce and, and uh, uh, technology. And the current trend which is going on in the market is uh, taking pricing off. So five years ago, a trend started where people were putting, talking about transparent pricing, pay as you know before you sign up, pay as you go, you know, no contracts. And sort of that was the that was what, what the you know trend was. Now the trend is reversing. People are taking price off their website and actually forcing the customer to schedule, get in touch. Uh, schedule a demo, especially for B2B. So it's very important to be aware of what the competition is and where what they are doing, what unique things they are doing um, and, you know, why they are doing it so that you can choose, you are aware and then you can choose to do this versus not. So, for example, if you look at airlines, um, I would say in all of the airlines that I see, especially in U.S., I, I only know mostly about U.S. Um, airlines, Southwest, the business model is very different than all the other airlines, right? Mm -hmm. All the air, other airlines will do demand pricing and surge pricing, you know, depending on how many people are searching, they will increase the price, decrease the price. Southwest, through these many, many years, have stuck to their, you know, same price over and over, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, uh, roughly that is what their strategy, or that is what their marketing is. We don't change our price. And uh, you can cancel with ease or whatever else, and you can use it for other flight. Their value proposition is very, very different, and they're sticking to it, right? Even though the mm -hmm. market went different, like 10 years ago or five years ago, it, you know, it went the direction of, hey, we are going to show you a base price and then add one, two, three things. By the time you come to the total price, you'll be like, wow, this is 2x of what you were advertising, right? And, and Southwest is like, no, we don't do that. And we do things a certain way. So they are, I'm sure they are well aware of what the competition is doing, but they are choosing to do because this, the, the Southwest brand value is we are for the people and we are a commuter service. And you, you know, so there is a, there is a certain adherence to their brand value that they do and people who are, and thus build loyalty. So the people who are Southwest clients, they don't move. They have very high loyalty and retention because they stand true. The market can go one way. They still stand true to their brand. So this is one example of why you why you need, you, you need to be aware of what's happening externally. You still need to stand true to your own unique brand positioning. What are you to your clients? Are you a fast way to... Uh, Fast, uh, fast delivery of uh, cheap food to your house. Is that your value proposition? Or your value proposition is healthy, locally sourced ingredients served to you? Like, you know, what is your unique value proposition? And the decision that you make 
on a day-to-day -day basis needs to align with that while being aware of the market because you don't want to miss a trend. And if there is a way to catch a trend while staying true to your, your own value prop, you should. The other way you can use data to understand what is most valued is your customers are always telling you with their behavior. What is this, for example, um, in app terminology, it's called FUI, first user experience. How do your customers like experiencing your product when they come in and the first time they sign up? Where do they click around on your app? Or uh, what do they end up doing most of the time? That tells you, hey, now 80, 60%, if you use even Google Analytics, it'll tell you the path that people are following, you know, from different pages or uh, different uh, UX um, uh, landing pages. Um, look at that and understand this is what my customer wants. Actually, they all go here and there and they ultimately end up on this page because this is what is most important. Uh, one of our uh, clients is a um, safety driving app. And uh, if you look at their data, they have started to understand you know, certain, certain features, even though they have, let's say, 20 very important features. But there are only two or three very high value actions called HVAC. There are, there are very few high value actions, which is basically if the customer does this, they are likely to stay, right? If they mm -hmm. add their home address in their first location, then they are planning on using this app. Some of these are obvious, but some of this you have to let the, ask the data, let the data you know, show you where, what is happening, what are the first things that they are doing, which makes them high value later on and so on. So use the data. You have all of your customers' behavior uh, coming into you, understand, go in from the perspective of asking relevant questions, analyzing it, and, uh, you know, and then making decisions based on that and, and reduce friction. If, if what they're going down to is this seven page down, <laughs> they end up in this, <laughs> move it up, make, make it third page down or second page, make a direct link from your uh, page itself, from your uh, homepage itself to that, because it's very important for them, right? Yeah, valuable. Love it. Okay. Uh, uh, let me share an example. For example, uh, when I have a new customer uh, who needs uh, SEO services, I tell them, you need to understand SEO. Because if you don't understand, it's hard to get results. It's the same like, I don't know, to learn foreign language or uh, to lose weight, build muscles. Anyway, you, know, uh, you need to understand what uh, are you doing and why you're doing this. Uh, and um, uh, in SEO, if we need to get results, uh, we need to create high quality content, provide link building campaigns, and uh, for the reason of uh, getting ranking positions and traffic. Uh, I found that you provide uh, data science uh, consulting. For example, uh, let's imagine your customer um, uh, I don't know, uh, knows about AI only from Matrix and Terminator, a few uh, other movies, and uh, know nothing about that. Can you tell how to explain them uh, about importance of uh, data science, about uh, finding the right data uh, in short period of time? For example, if they are busy to create high quality products, uh, to compete in market, uh, but you need to explain them in short period of time about importance and how to go ahead together, you know, to get uh, great results. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think in this today's age and world, 
money speaks louder than anything else and when you sh- show uh, in some ways uh, you know there there's similar kind of business which was able to make more money their roi is four times more uh, because they use data i think those are very good uh, sort of uh, stories which are which are precise you know think about very precise problems that uh, you may have solved or others have solved to get that specific roi like let's say um, hey we were able to like airing does the same thing we were able to actually improve uh, for the same uh, safety app organization when we went in their trial uh, you know the customer will come in and they are all free and then some of some percentage of them trial a premium product for which they pay money and so trial is a top of the funnel for them to start making money of that client and so their trial rate was let's say 1.4% when we came in and uh, just through a series of experiments working very closely with the uh, the growth uh, growth hacker we were uh, and and putting in our uh, solid and uh, expertise on experimentation and our understanding of business we were able to make that trial uh, down trialer trial rate from 1.4 to 2.8 or close to 2.7 percent that's two that's nearly 2x uh, that's mm-hmm. a good proof point i mean if who who which premium model will not need, want to double up their trial rate because what happens is you basically increase the top of the funnel by 2x who doesn't want it and then hopefully some of that still stays that even if you don't get 2x revenue but you get some percentage x folds of revenue right who wouldn't want that so yeah. you use data to tell very precise stories of use cases uh, to your customers and saying this is what we have done and this is how we have how we have done it i think will uh, will help your uh, help the people on the other side saying oh wow uh, is if that's possible and for us when we actually build we do a lot of work in the business analytics area but we also do very heavy duty um, ai models and when we can articulate the value of those ai models and it took us four months to build but we were able to reduce fraud by you know 0.1% bips these are big organizations let's say 0.1 bips which actually was equal to you know 100 million dollars of saving every year who do yeah. <laughs> right so it's, it's basically connecting your what you did with the results and we make sure we get results because we use a framework called badal which is very focused on figuring out what the question is first and making sure it's high value question because you can do analysis of data till the cows come home right like you can just do every day tens of analysts if you, if you have a team of 10 analysts in your internal organization they can just keep analyzing data and they may still not get much value out of it because data is a you know pacific ocean you can keep swimming in there so what we use what we do is use badal framework as a way of narrowing our focus onto high value problems right if these are the 20 questions you can ask right now what is the highest value out of that right and yeah. we use a framework called um and people can look it up if they're interested it's an analytics agenda framework we call it three key questions it's there in my book behind every good decision as well as um it's there on our website and stuff if people are interested they can download we use a uh, uh, an approach of taking the kpi for that organization every organization may have different kpis and then the driver kpis are 100% different we take the kpi and we we find the driver kpis often to l1 to l10 level 10 levels down what are your driver kpis 
And the, from there, we figure out where are your biggest drivers? And then we line up all the projects they have listed to those drivers. And that's where we find, hey, you're actually your biggest problem is your return on ad spend. Your ad spends are the worst here, right? And that's what we need to optimize versus we really need to segment your customer. There are so many um, use cases, even within marketing analytics. At any given point, we can ask 20 questions. Which one of us of them is most important. So we use this approach to focus our energy onto only high value problems and thereby make sure that we get good results. And that is then we can use that to convince our clients and also our prospects saying, we got these results, we can get the same for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you wrote a book uh, that uh, became as Amazon's number one bestseller in data science. Yeah, it's called Behind Every Good Decision. Uh, can you give a strong reason uh, for my audience to read this book? How, uh, what kind of benefits <laughs> can we get? Yeah, we can see this book. Uh, someone uh, who is listening in audio podcast. Yeah, uh, you can find this link uh, to this book in the description below. Give a strong reason uh, for busy people to read this book, what kind of benefits that can get and why it can help them to go ahead uh, better, smarter, uh, get higher results. So listen, the new world, the data is a currency and your ability mm -hmm. to read that data, whether you are sitting in as a, um, as a call center agent or you're sitting in as a marketer or you're sitting in as a CMO or you are a CEO or you're an engineer who's making things happen, or you are a product manager, whoever you are, you need, you need data. Mm -hmm. And so you need the, so you have data, you need the ability to deal with data or understand it and use it in your favor. So everybody these days, like, you know, we used to have communication skill is the most important. Uh, your ability to communicate in an email is most important. All those, in addition to that now, Data literacy is a key, key skill for everybody. It's not like, oh, only the analyst needs, only the data scientists need to know what to do with data. We all are surrounded with data and it behooves us to actually get skilled in it. And, and you don't need, not everybody needs to become data scientist. You can, as a marketer, you need a citizen analyst skill. Uh, as a CMO, you need the executive data literacy skills, right? But you need the right skills at your level. And this book, Behind Every Good Decision, for the folks who are on the video, I'm showing it, but for those uh, who are not, it's called Behind Every Good Decision. It's an Amazon bestseller. This is written for you. Pick it up and understand, the starting with the ABCs of analytics, what is what, so you are conversant in it. And then in chapter four, it walks you through the entire Badr process. So you can be Badrist. You can actually understand how to focus your work that you're doing. Um, a lot of our internal employees actually tell me, my airing employees actually tell me that, hey, Priyanka, you know what? I'm starting to use Badr even in my personal life. The first, first step of Badr is business question. And uh, one of the analysts was, uh, data scientist was saying, hey, when my wife tells me we need to do this, I ask her now qualifying questions, which is the business question. Because mm -hmm. I'm doing so much at work, now I start asking questions. And we align a lot more quickly then me going down one path and then she come, she come, she comes in back and says, what are you doing? This is not what we are agreed on, right? Now he <laughs> says, I spend a lot of time 
And because he says, you know, he lives in a, uh, for example, a joint family and his, his wife is going one direction, his parents are going another direction and he wants to go in a different direction. He says, I use the Badr framework to align all of us in a common understanding before we take action on big things, right? Like which car to buy, right? We all have our, the whole family has, which, which is the next car to buy, <laughs> have different perspective. If you can use a mechanism like this to align, you will save angst down the line or misalignment down the line. So it's a very um, useful tool for you to pick up, uh, hopefully for your professional, but maybe also for your personal life. So pick it up. And it's a very easy read. It's I think it's two, three hours uh, on a flight uh, or, or not, but it's a very easy read, <laughs> accessible to everybody. You don't need to be a data scientist to read this book. Love it, love it. Yeah, I think uh, it's very important uh, when it's easy to read because uh, simplicity is key, you know. Uh, and I know some uh, boring books that uh, can help with sleep, you know, when you have the problem with sleeping, yeah, you can take some books and yeah, you will sleep all night without any problem. <laughs> so for me, it's very important. <laughs> okay, uh, I have the question about the light between... Uh, searching uh, and analyzing data and uh, doing something. Because, you know, um, I remember when Jeff Bezos uh, shared on his meeting, uh, when he got data uh, research about a new product and he told, guys, uh, okay, I understand, we have this data, we have this information, but nobody knows what kind of results we'll get. We need to do something, not only to analyze. Can you tell how to find this line between uh, analyzing and doing. Because, uh, for example, we can spend so much time to research data. And uh, after that, um, nobody knows without acting, without doing what actually works. Can you tell about your experience, how to find this line? Yeah, and that's a great uh, segue into one of the most important skills any marketer needs, um, besides you know, understanding business analytics and using it to their advantage. Is, is experimentation skills. They need to understand how to experiment. So to your point, yes, I found insights and I said, you know, uh, this, uh, this source uh, gives me one X return on my ad spend. This source gives me four X return. This, so I'm going to put more money on the four X one, take some money out of the one X one, and I'm going to balance my, my budget. And, uh, you know, so, but this is still theoretical because we don't know about media saturation. We don't know uh, about many things. So do experimentation, uh, and but set it up right. Uh, many times when you think about experimentation, people just think, oh, I'll divide up my group into half and half, and boom, I'll get results. Uh, you don't do experiment that way because you will get inconclusive results. So do proper experimentation design. Again, that's something, uh, It's a frame. we have a framework for that called BEDIR, Bader where the A from the analysis plan becomes experimentation plan. In experimentation, spend a lot of time planning your experiment, which is figuring out uh, what are the kind of uh, treatments you have that you want to do, what makes sense, uh, what are your segments, what's the full factorial, what is the interaction happening, uh, how many minimum uh, size you need, what kind of design parameters you are going to use, what is the minimum uh, as a result, what is the size you need? How long? Uh, 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 what is the size of number of people you need in each test cells? How long you have to run it? Uh, and when you stop, what is the expected confidence? You know, how are you designing? Which, what kind of confidence level you're designing it for? What are the, what are your chances of still misreading the test? All of that 
you need to do first and then launch the test and then read it when you're supposed to read it and then see you know your your analytics told you a is going to win this is the best but when your results come in you're like oh uh wait a minute it didn't show us that way it's actually instead of 4x it's actually 2x only all right now given our true experimentation what what do we need to change before we do a full rollout for your entire customer and that's also very true i mean especially um with reference to uh, jeff bezos and amazon they're great experimenter they're constantly experimenting and they are changing like for example recently um you know i'm a big <laughs> amazon user i love convenience mm -hmm. but recently they have made changes to where uh, when you return even when something is defective you still need to actually do drop off now for me the biggest value prop is pick up right somebody comes and picks it up and without a fee because you know you guys messed up you actually delivered something it was broken right so it's your problem i shouldn't have to go actually spend time to drop off and i know myself if there is anything requires drop off it will be at least 30 days delay like it's it just sits there until the pile is very big and then i'm like okay i have these things that i need to return by that time the return window is gone whatever else it's inconvenient for me so uh and but maybe i am a small minority in in amazon space amazon is constantly experimenting it's seeing as a result of them changing this what happens right or i hope they are I, i don't know in this specific case they are or not but i hope they are and they will look at as a result of them changing this policy what is the change in uh money people are spending because for me i have i hate, i almost dislike going into stores for example i need to pick up some tools uh i don't want to go to home depot because i have to go in and then search and i feel like it's and then i don't have my customer reviews so i just have to visually make a decision or i have to then uh, on in store i have to google and figure out what this you know reviews are it's too much work for me i'm i'm a very classic online shopper i look at something i look at the reviews i read the reviews and i buy right nice. but because you've taken out this you if something comes broken or is defective you're not going to pick it up for free now you've created a friction point for me because of that you'll probably see i'm i'm now actually i took a trip down to home depot because i wanted to pick up something which i wouldn't otherwise so my particular case my revenue spend market share uh, for amazon is going to start dropping I actually even cancelled uh, prime for next because it's been on auto renew i've been in a prime member since the day they launched right but now i just cancelled it to not auto renew because it's it's something i I don't think like I will continue to use it the way I've been using it because you're you're taking out a convenience out from me and so I don't have any reason now I might as well get something which I can see is not defective <laughs> and won't be that mm -hmm. you know so these are the choices we make or I'll go to another online site where they have free returns or something you know I'll, I'm probably mm -hmm. going to shift out I don't know what it is but they need to they'll probably see it and either I'm a blip in the ocean and I people like me don't make matter in their revenue or we do matter and we are significant majority and their revenue will show an impact and then hopefully on the other side there are experimenters and analysts who are reading the results and saying we made this change and we saw the impact in revenue we need to do something about this change maybe we need to segment it for very high value customer which i would be for them we still keep that right and for the lower value customers because it costs us money to get the pro uh, the product picked up again you know we don't put so you know your spend per customer should also be a function of ltv value right if the customer is higher valued you need to give them better service 
or a different service. So these are the things which hopefully uh, somebody at Amazon, uh, knowing Amazon probably is looking at. Uh, and these are the kind of decisions that you want to be willing to make. So plan as you like, learn from it. But when you come to doing it, be, be very clear on what you're trying to learn from this change, right? And keep an eye on your metrics. What has changed as a result of it? Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Bianca, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So if people want to follow me, look up Bianca Jen. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. My handle is Analytics Queen. Uh, and that's pretty much where, and, and then you can go on to if you are interested in uh, our services or you think we, we might be able to help you, especially if you're a startup and you have a validated business model and you have a lot of data, uh, we can uh, definitely help you with uh, your uh, structuring your data needs, both strateg strategically as well as execution on the data engineering, uh, on analytics and data science. So reach out to us on our website. There's a contact us form uh, and, and there's also a chat. So all these various ways, those are not managed by me, but uh, you know, eventually um, if something, if, if it's relevant where we can add value, you will, uh, you know, we'll find time with you and, and I'll be in the meetings. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. You share a lot of valuable insights. I'm going to read your book because I have a huge list of books that I need to read. So it's hard only to find time, but I will. And guys, I recommend 100%. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.